Welcome back to the Hemingway List Podcast, Book 14, Chapter 17. How did you like Tolstoy's comparison of the end of the war to the blind man's bluff? Do you think it fully encompasses the situation? The destruction of the walls of Smolensk is described by Tolstoy as an act of punishing the floor against which they had hurt themselves. Do you agree with this statement? And do you attribute the destruction of the French army to poor discipline by the French? Or are the Russians smart in their chase of the French army? Ah, good questions. And kind of, I don't know, those are the questions that you're left with from this book. Kara Kikas says, I find it hard to decide what the truth of the French retreat is. History is told to us by the survivors. When there are a few first-hand accounts, our imagination fills in the detail. It's kind of the point Tolstoy is making as well, isn't it? And... Sometimes you feel like Tolstoy's perspective is biased heavily, but then I think the point he's trying to make as well by saying how biased the historians are must kind of imply the inverse on him as well. Kara Kikas continues to say, However, I think the fate of the French was sealed when they first marched into Russia. Europe, the Middle East, the places of Napoleon's previous conquests are densely populated after literal millennia of civilization in those regions. Russia is vast in comparison, and if an army marches on its stomach, keeping all those men fed over such a great distance would have been an enormous feat. On top of military success, I mean, look at this map. This is a crazy distance to march. Oh, we've got a map here. Let me have a little look. Yeah, Russia's big. I'm just going to say that. And they marched into it, and then back out of it quite crazy and thank you for sharing that map um Cara Kikas I live in Canada says Cara a country that is similar to Russia is much larger than most people expect when they come from more densely populated countries it is a hackneyed cliche that people visit Toronto the largest city and expect to be able to take day trips to the east coast or west coast in the space of their one week vacation this is not possible also the train not as good as you would hope yeah same here in australia we've got like five cities in australia <laughs> well we've got more than that but you know we have you know sydney melbourne brisbane adelaide hobart perth darwin you could count those are really the main ones i'm missing any canberra um Central Australia too. Uh, we've got a dozen or so noteworthy cities in Australia, in the whole country, and the size-wise, it's comparable to something like America. Um, America has that many cities per state, you know, and they've got fifty states. Fifty-one. What is it? Fifty-one. <clears throat> so you just can't compare. It's like when I think about, like population-wise as well, we've got 20-something million. America is, what, getting close to 300 million, something like that. Same amount of space. And most of our space is just open, barren, wilderness, you know. Um, This is something I often think about as someone in a band, you know. It's so hard for bands to make it in Australia because if you go on tour trying to get your music out in front of 
new crowds. <laughs> you basically got like you know six cities to visit, and you've got a tour or something the size of America to visit those six cities, and then that's it. Then what? You start back in square one. Where bands when they tour America, you know they can go on tour endlessly. That cliche of like the tour bus just going around endlessly city after city show after show you can do that there this is completely unrelated to war and peace but it's just something i think about sometimes as a band person fdlp1 says blind man's bluff sounds similar to marco polo and pretty fun minus the whole war in in a desolate countryside (laughs) yeah if it wasn't for the fact that there was a war it might be fun and Sufjan Fan says, uh, Well, after falling far behind in June due to work, I have finally caught up. Excited to finish with the rest of you. I'm particularly curious to see where Pierre's trajectory takes him. Yep. Let's see where he ends up, hey? Um, Pierre is... Yeah, I think Pierre's my favourite character of the book. After this second read, I think I said that the first read around, and now we're closing in on the end of the second read, and I still think the same thing. Let's read chapter uh, 18. goes like this. This campaign consisted in a flight of the French during which they did all they could to destroy themselves. From the time they turned onto the Kaluga Road to the day their leader fled from the army, none of the movements of the crowd had any sense. So one might have thought that regarding this period of the campaign, the historians who attributed the actions of the mass to the will of one man would have found it impossible to make the story of the retreat fit their theory. But no, mountains of books have been written by the historians about this campaign, and everywhere are described Napoleon's arrangements and manoeuvres and his profound plans which guided the army as well as the military genius shown by his marshals. The retreat from Maloyaroslavets when he had a free road into a well-supplied district, and the parallel road was opened to him along which Kutuzov afterwards pursued him. This unnecessary retreat along a devastated road is explained to us as being due to profound considerations. Similarly, profound considerations are given for his retreat from Smolensk to the Orsha. Then, his heroism at Krasnoe is described, where he is reported to have been prepared to accept battle and take personal command and have to and to have walked about with a birch stick and said I have acted the Emperor long enough, it is time to act the general, but nevertheless immediately ran away again, abandoning to its fate the scattered fragments of the army he left behind. Then we are told of the greatness of the soul of the marshals, especially of Ney. A greatness of soul consisting in this, that he made his way by night around the, through the forest and across the Dnieper and escaped to Orsha, abandoning standards, artillery, and nine-tenths of his men. And lastly, the final departure of the great emperor from his heroic army is presented to us by the historians as something great and characteristic of genius. Even that final running away, described in ordinary language as the lowest depth of baseness which every child is taught to be ashamed of, Even that act finds justification in the historian's language. When it is impossible to stretch the very elastic threads of historical radiocination any farther, when actions are clearly contrary to all that humanity calls right and or even just, the historians produce 
a saving conception of greatness. Greatness, it seems, excludes the standards of right and wrong. For the great man, nothing is wrong. There is no atrocity for which a great man can be blamed. It is great, say the historians, and there no longer exists either good or evil, but only grand and not grand. Grand is good, not grand is bad. Grand is the characteristic in their conception of some special animals called heroes, and Napoleon escaping home in a warm fur coat, leaving to perish those who were not merely his comrades, but were, in his opinion, men he had brought there, feels, c'est es grand, that it is great, and his soul is tranquil. From the sublime to the ridiculous is but a step, he saw something sublime in himself, said he, and the whole world, for fifty years, has been repeating, sublime, grand, Napoleon is grand, du sublime or ridicule il ni And it occurs to no one that to admit a greatness not commensurable with the standard of right and wrong is merely to admit one's own nothingness and immeasurable meanness. For us, with the standard of good and evil given us by Christ, no human actions are incommensurable, and there is no greatness where simplicity, goodness, and truth are absent. Alright, there we go. There's a chapter for you. Um, cool. Napoleon. Good or not good? Grand or not grand? Thanks for listening, guys. I'll see you tomorrow.